Black revolutionaries, distillery owners, Italian fashion retailers, and Motown Grammy winners all share their best stories never before told in any other media outlets on Detroit Is Different. Visit DetroitIsDifferent.com or download the Detroit Is Different app on Apple's App Store or Google's Play Store. All right, we are back in effect in the Detroit Is Different podcast studios. And today... I have a special, special episode of Detroit is Different. As people know, this is a community voice, but the community voice kind of comes through me, Kari Frazier. And uh, I have Richard Mack. And Richard's going to share a lot about Proposal P. It's a lot of talk about Proposal P. Uh, I actually just got like three phone calls last week of people polling and asking me about Proposal P, Rashida Tlaib, and how I feel about Mayor Duggan, and how I feel about Council Member Sheffield, and different things, and what has Mayor Duggan done for the city, and I have a favorable rating for what's going on with the governor. But it was seven different questions about this Proposal P initiative that people don't know. And the number one thing that we see when we think about Proposal P right now is a bunch of black faces saying they're going to take our money. Take our money. They're going to take our money. The pension. Good old, good old preachers and and, and, and and the good old black folks. Some of these same people, I think, were the same people that said, I'm going to write his name in anyway. But these are Kari Frazier views, and this is definitely going to be one of those political, <laughs> political episodes where you're going to definitely okay. get a, a less uh, unbiased opinion. As you know, I am beyond voting for Proposal P, as this is a direct attack on our voters' rights. That's right. And our say, because the people we elected, the same thing happened around the time of the school board takeover. It's happening right now before our eyes. And we see what happens with the quote unquote better structure government. We've seen Robert Bob and what uh, Robert Bob did to Detroit public schools. We saw what Kevin Orr, Orr. has done illegally to the city of Detroit that right. still exists right now. We saw what Governor Smider, the smart nerd that was a murderer mm. and still is a murderer that deserves murderous charges, mm. did to the whole state of Michigan and especially Flint and even places like Detroit. But right now we got a Livonian in office in the city of Detroit. And he is the main person and culprit behind this whole concept of proposal P and voting no on proposal P, but we talking about voting yes on proposal P. That's right. People Richard Mack, yes. how you feeling? Man, Kyrie Frazier. I was uh, grooving to some of your music on the way over here, man. That's, uh, That's what's up. It's an honor and a privilege to be, and uh, the podcast with a Detroit's hip hop legend, one of the many, <laughs> you know. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, man. So no, I, I definitely appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, proposal P. People should vote yes on proposal P because it brings real, real solutions mm -hmm. to the problems that we're facing here in this city. And, and uh, so many of them. So many. We can get all into it. And we're going to unpack a lot of this. Uh, Detroit is Different has partnered with Riverwise Magazine, where we're doing some uh, different voter education series. And even me, I was not as abreast right now. Some videos that people can watch where you learn about the roles of mayor, the roles of city council, the roles of the city clerk and board of police commissioners. So, like, a lot of this stuff is just not known. Um, yeah. But before we even get there, I want to just give a short background. This is a different yeah, type yeah. of Detroit is different, but interview. I usually start like how your family get here and all of that and in depth, the neighborhood and stuff. But your background into this especially puts you on the commissioners. Um, why uh, did you decide to be on the one of the commissioners for the uh, for the city charter? Yeah. So I'm a labor and employment 
uh, Lawyer by Trade. Okay. Uh, I've been doing that since, man, I'm getting old, dude, 1998. Okay. So, um, you know, I would, uh, grew up, born here, uh, over in the uh, northwest side of Detroit. Um, went to school, came back, went to Wayne Law School, and, um, you know, just been representing city workers, representing unions, uh, representing working people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's kind of the mantra at the firm I'm at. We we represent workers and workers' rights. That's kind of, we never do stuff on the corporate side. Never, ever, ever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's just a blessing to me that God has given me that ability to make a living out of re- doing the right thing. You know, okay. I, I, back in school, I was, you know, Black Student Union. I was power to the people, fist up in the air all the time. You know, I'm still all about uh, making sure that our people have rights and, and have, um, you know, what we have coming to us and do for ourselves in our city. Um, so that kind of translated into doing work for the people in my in my in my profession. And uh, and then that led to the Charter Commission as the whole concept of city charter. Yeah. This is so funny. Uh, a lot of the discussion really started picking up around the time that Mayor Kilpatrick was uh, going to be in a lot of ways ousted out of office and leave. And people were saying, like, what's in the charter? What should happen? What happens? Who's going to be mayor? What, how are things going to happen? And this all sparked a big discussion about changing the Detroit city charter. Uh, and I remember some of the first discussions. So like we're looking at like 2000 and maybe like nine, 2010. So we remember some of the first, that first body, um, yeah. attorney Tanya Phillips and, yep. Yep. uh, many other Denise members for John uh, yes. Johnson. Lot of yeah. We actually met with a lot of them as we, you know, uh, had after the election. And, and so actually during that charter, I was the subject matter expert on, labor and employment issues and so okay. uh i was pushing for union rights making sure that we had certain specific provisions in the charter mm-hmm. uh, they were trying to take them out the, the mayor bing administration at the time was trying to take them out i said when well, i was pushing back saying no mm-hmm. workers this is still a union town yeah you know no no mistake about it this is a town that is caring about workers blue mm-hmm. collar rights that's what we should be about and so um we kept it in and so you know, I decided, well, I've sued under the charter. I've represented workers, went to court using the charter. I might as well be one of the people who uh, helped rewrite it. And and what's so unique, uh, we share a mutual, like one of your best friends is somebody I've worked with, Rick Proust, uh, oh, yeah. IBW. And I, I remember I'm, I'm at this event. It may it may have even been uh, Attorney Perkins Gala. Uh, and you said, yeah, I'm about to run for Charter Commission. I'm like, oh, you about right. to run for Charter yes. Commission? I'm like, for real? Why, what, what triggered you to run for Charter Commission? Because, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, you, you uh, as an attorney, have some experience, we're doing things things moving uh kind of like in the mix and you're like okay i'm i'm in this calling especially being that a lot of people it looked like some members that looked at what charter commission was as like a gateway to get more politically involved and like maybe say like okay i can go charter commission and end up on council then state rep or whatever but you weren't necessarily that wasn't the calling for it uh what was the lead in for you to being on charter literally it was just um, it was. I felt that it was an extension of the work I do, uh, you know, with the firm already with, my, with the labor. Yeah, I mean, I'm mm-hmm. always pushing for workers' rights, union rights, and so I wanted to make sure that uh, our charter reflected those rights. It reflected the rights of average everyday workers. Man, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, people are getting up being exploited. You yeah. know, people are going to work and they're not being properly trained. They're being forced to do work 
which by state law they, they cannot do because they don't have the right license. They're not being given workers' comp protections and other insurance so that when they get injured, they don't get wages, they don't get medical insurance. I mean, people are being exploited day by day, and frankly, I just got sick of it. And so I figured that maybe there's some things we can do in our city constitution, which is the charter, uh, to make sure that that stops. So with that being said, let me get a little bit civics one-on-one. And yeah. like I always used to tell a uh, great friend of the family, almost like a godmother, uh, attorney Sharon McPhail, uh, oh, that yeah. uh, when, yeah. great woman. when I was in elementary, middle, and high school, I never learned anything about local government. Uh, I only learned a little bit about government. You, you learn the Constitution and, and the making of it, but even in the college, most of what I learned about city government was taught to me through like hearsay or different things people would say. And then it's like, all right, so let me go on and sit and read the city charter to learn the roles and the responsibilities of what different people do. And we did a whole video series on this. Uh, as people know, the partnership between Riverwise and Detroit is different. And one of the first things that will blaringly strike out uh, in most people's mind if you read the city charter. So you have a city charter and a city code. And, and then shout out to Crystal Crittington, uh, attorney great Crittington. Yes. Uh, she gave us a, a great interview talking about it, too, between the city code and the city charter. Those are the rules of which how Detroit is governed. But the mayor has a lot of powers and control. This That's is right. a heavy mayoral town. And right. uh, so there are there are three different ways and structures of government as known that the state of Michigan will sanction a municipality or whatever that may be. So it could be like a city or town or village or whatever. So right, right, to be right. a city, you can have a heavy mayor system, meaning right. like the mayor. And that's what we have here. There are, there are dozens of departments in the city of Detroit and a d the department means this person is, is appointed and paid for right. the city council will approve this person being paid, but at the same time, they don't have any say over who's going to run it, how they're selected or anything. They can just say yay or nay, which is an interesting point of view and perspective, because it may be like, yes, with a, you know, I'm, I'm going to add a point like Joanne Watson used to always do. Mm -hmm. But it's still never taken into consideration because the true powers lie with the mayor for all department decisions. So everything we see that are that we see within city is truly a mayoral thing. The 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 other structure is kind of to have like a a city manager. Right. Uh, a city manager would be appointed probably by the council and the mayor and the count the leader of the council. So like the president of the council kind of would have some of the um, parliamentary duties and, right. and lead many of the discussions. Uh, and that is a system that could work. And that is. At the at the crux, I think, of a lot of this debate, it's more so like uh, or the third system where every vote on city council kind of has executive power as well. So those are the three ways. But we have a heavy memorial system. Right. Right. The right. challenge we, with the mayoral system that we currently have, especially with things like district managers, and it kind of happened in two swoops. Uh, you bring back council by district because it used to be council by at large. 
And now you bring in these district managers, which was an old mandate that was brought back by uh, through Mayor Duggan's administration. But it still needed to be approved by city council to bring back something from back in the day. As you know, I mean, depending upon how far back in the day, you know, Detroit used to have uh, problems with, uh, you know, whether you had a horse and carriage or 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 a, uh, you know, or a trolley being on the street. So, you know what I'm saying? You can't just, you know, say, oh, it used to be on the books. We're going to bring it back. And it's right, like, all right, right, man, right. That, that don't make no sense. So this is a fast forwarded version. Please watch and listen. I'm, I'm definitely not an attorney to read the charter. It's a lot of legalese, as they say, because it's like, where art thou? How? What? But the number one thing that will stand out is the mayor has a lot of power to hire people, appoint people. And the city council appointments are not paid. They're unpaid for positions. So and kind of like the commission that you're on. It's a lot of unpaid volunteers, which I, we tip our hat and commend that. And uh, some of the things proposed in this proposal, P, will actually empower uh, empower voters because I think it'll spread some of the executive powers. Well, I don't even want to say executive powers because the mayor still is the executive, but it'll take away some of the powers of one person being like a grand poobah well, of everything shares. that happens. There are some of the things he yeah. there's a couple of instances, at least where he shares power. Yeah. And, and you laid it out exactly right. I mean, and, and we did get some pressure on the commission. To mm-hmm. go to the more of a city manager function, um, opted to stay with what we had. Yeah. Honestly, you know, you can't write as much as people, whatever whatever people feel about our current mayor and our current city council. Frankly, you don't write the constitution based on your current opinion current, of who's uh, in yeah, office. Yeah, because we don't know, know who will be in office exactly. next time. Because exactly. uh, Coleman Young, uh, this Perfect Coleman example. Young was. The most beloved mayor we have had. Perfect example. Uh, but it was heavy mayoral then as well. And 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 then people, you know, they didn't really feel like uh, you know that that was a problem having a strong mayor form mm-hmm. of government. So we opted not to change that. But what we did do is we we had the mayor currently who has appointment powers share in that structure. So for instance. Mm-hmm the sharing of the appointment of uh, corporation counsel, who's the city's top lawyer. Mm-hmm. Um, he uh, Currently the mayor, he or she does that alone, but now it's a decision that's shared with the city council. And let's put a pin in that yeah. because oftentimes when people talk about the city of Detroit and it's like, oh, everybody's suing the city, everybody's suing the city, you hit a pothole, you sue the city and everything. If you ever sit in council chambers and this is what's so unique about council too because it's open to the it's open to the public yeah. uh the the business that the mayor conducts is not open to the public so we don't know what's going on in mi- many of these meetings if if anything is open door with the mayor that's that's not an open meeting yeah. uh so exactly. we don't know what the the nuances are but we've seen a lot of some of the best attorneys that represent the people you know have a couple fights with the city and then the next thing you know they end up on the other side working with the city or vice versa we've seen that happen we've seen people uh work with the city and then end up you know working at rocket mortgage or something and you're like damn (laughs) how did they end up being the rocket mortgage top attorney after they work out this deal for rocket mortgage to you know have these three buildings that's interesting you know and that's what's so man so so that was the other thing that really drove me to being on the commission yeah was and look i'm not against all tax breaks yeah i'm not I think that in many instances it makes sense, especially when Detroit was less attractive to be in. But doggone, if you're not going to just take money, sign a commitment to do certain things, 
not fulfill your commitment, not even follow the law. Yeah. And then you just walk away with the money like nobody. Oh, well, and, I'm sorry. And let's let's put a pin in that, too, because yeah. because th- these things, as they say, if you don't learn from your past, it will repeat itself. The root of the problem with profit revenue sharing. Shout out to my guy, mother, Joanne Watson, of speaking oh, this. I love that and then, uh, my, my, and then my. Anthony, Anthony Adams, candidate yeah. for mayor right now, broke it down on Detroit is different very explicitly. Maybe I'll bring that clip in about the the key crux of the challenge of why the state of Michigan owes the city of Detroit so much money. And they completely waved that out off under the Archer administration and never pursued this money because if most people know if you if you pay your city taxes in the city of Detroit you have a resident form and a non-resident form the non-resident form of taxes and taxation began under the Coleman Young administration as people were hitting eight miles he said he was like okay I got a trick for you guys y'all gonna still pay taxes because y'all still got to work in Detroit and y'all gonna still pay income taxes to the city of Detroit yep. that's what you're gonna do yeah so that was a ruling that happened as Coleman was leaving office and Archer was coming in. One of the things the state said is like, all right, city of Detroit, what we're going to do is we're going to offer you more revenue sharing, meaning we're going to give you a more of a piece of the state taxes that are withheld from Detroiters and give it back to the city of Detroit in exchange for lowering the cost of the non-resident tax base for non-resident taxes for people that work in Detroit, but live in other places in Michigan. A handshake deal with the Archer administration and whoever his current legal counsel at the time was. It may have been like Adam Sabri or something. But um, that handshake deal uh, went down, like, let's say, in 1994. 1995, the uh, the Michigan State House that uh, definitely had a lot of Republicans then and kind of now, too. But uh, uh, Engler administration completely waved that off and said, we're not going to honor that debt. Mm. Yeah, that is the revenue sharing that's owed to the city of Detroit. So since that debt was not honored, but the the what was honored was we people pay fifty percent less yeah. in the resident non resident taxes, it's like one point two five percent, I believe it is now. Yeah. So yeah. that right there is a classic example of not holding up the end of the bargain and our council, as you say, why we need to be more ambitious about who our corporate council is, needs to be chasing money down like that. You know why I just I felt that that was an appropriate thing to do uh, is I'm I'm a believer that is if if I'm the executive, mm-hmm. you should have the attorney that you want. I get that. However, it's not the attorney for the executive alone. No, it's the attorney. It's sort of like a corporation. It's the attorney that represents the CEO as well as the board of directors, right? And so if what, when I saw there was this big meeting that was put together over the, the property tax over assessment. Mm-hmm. Remember when that came out was uh, January of last year, six hundred million dollars over assessment. You know, the uh, people were people of the city of Detroit were being charged by six hundred million dollars more than what they should have charged yes. for property taxes. Yes. Big meeting, city council meeting. People demanding solutions. When are we going to get our money back? And, and this is another one of those things like pen in this. Yeah. This is another classic example. Where the open meeting yeah. is held to the city council. So the city council is taking the grunt of of the, the frustrations of the citizens. Where's my money? Where's my money? Exactly. Whereas the mayor, which holds no more open meetings unless it's called upon, which is usually special invite or, you know, led 
obviously through, I mean, if I can call an open meeting, you know, I'm going I'm to do it on my own terms. You right, know what I'm saying? Right, it's like right. basically it's playing basketball in your backyard. Yeah, that's out of bounds. <laughs> yeah, right. so what you talking about? Right, yeah. right. That little crack right there. You don't see the crack. Come on, you can't get fast to crack. <laughs> so, so, I mean, this is another classic example. And those frustrations are brought to city council and they have no executive power. Right. And, and, so, and, so when people are complaining, saying you got to do something about this, you got to do something about this. They're complaining. And then it's like all they really get. They're like a glorified citizen. They, they only can do is complain. And so but what disturbed me. Mm-hmm. And again, this is not a knock on any particular person, but this our corporation council was at this meeting. Mm-hmm. What disturbed me is. He stood in front of those city council persons and in front of the several hundred people in the audience. Uh-huh. And he was being asked, what solutions can you present yeah. that people can get our money back? Now, had he been acting as the attorney for the people, for the corporation, he's corporate counsel, not mayor counsel, corporate counsel. Yeah. You would have thought it would have been incumbent on him to say, well, wait a minute. Let me see if there's a solution that we can get everybody their money back, piece of it back, something. I mean, every candidate I've interviewed for mayor, and let's let's go even a step further. Every person on the street I interview gives the common solutions, just like the solution in Flint. The solution in Flint is to dig up all the pipes, dig the pipe. put in new pipes, right. and let that be. That will cost billions of dollars in a tax base that the state of Michigan does not see favorably. Right. That's why they don't do it. The solution to this is to give people money back and then give them options to live in whatever the fair market value of those homes are. I kind of don't also like that story because it only went back to like 2008, which it neglects so many of the black folks that have lost their home. 2008, when I really think about Detroit, it's kind of like the uptick in when gentrification started. So Mm. it kind of further in me, this is the racial dynamic of this. Sure. It further insulates and supports the fact that white people are going to be given justice for stuff that black people have suffered through for years. And lost. And lost. And so this lawyer, the corporation counsel, decides instead of looking at solutions that the people would have benefited from, yeah, he simply puppeted the same thing that the executive branch had been saying, which was... We're sorry you lost your homes. We're sorry you paid $3,800 on average. Mm-hmm. On average, $3,800 more in taxes that Detroiters have paid. 92% of Detroiters paid that much more on mm-hmm. average. We're sorry that you had that, but the money's been spent. We can't give it back. We'll give you resume writing assistance. We'll give you job placement assistance. Some we'll, bullshit. We'll let, we'll, we'll let you buy a home half off. That's been sitting vacant that the city owns. Yeah. That you're going to need to fix up before you move into anyway. Which a program that already existed. Which, if I had thousands of dollars laying around. Yeah. I would have kept my current home, even though I was being charged too much, instead of going to buy some new home, which I got to fix up before I can move in. Yes. So, to see that corporation council simply puppet what the mayor was saying. Instead of coming up with solutions that the people could have benefited from, that's where we, I, to me, I thought, wow, it would be great to have a corporation council who's answerable to not just the executive branch, but also to city council. And then that, that shares in the powers. Yes, and, the shared and, power. And that, that alone, as it, it, and even when we have these open meetings, because that's what's so unique even about like the, the, the city council's role in the city of Detroit. 
Mm-hmm. I want people to understand this as they listen. Uh, man, I should have put more a camera on me as much as I'm talking these mm-hmm. in this interview. But um, the city council's role is a legislative role, mm. definitely. But the legislation and the city laws and ordinances or resolutions that can be placed. Uh, listen to that Crystal Crittington interview on Riverwise uh, podcast. She breaks down a lot of this are are definitely honored under city law. And that and the city council does decide a city budget. The city council does have some appointments that are unpaid positions, but the city council does not make executive decisions. And right. when people come down to city council to complain, they're usually complaining about things that they want an executive action to be taken on. Right. 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 And then what can the city council do? Right. And that's that's part of the dynamic. And that's part of the problem. Why? You know, if you just city council, because they're, as you outlined very clearly, because they are required to have open meetings, they're required to hear from the people before they make their decisions. Yeah. The mayor's not. No. So people go to them for the solutions. What should happen because the city council has the authority to set the budget because the city council has the authority to pass ordinances to subpoena executive uh, branch members to the table to discuss issues. What you can see happen from a city council person is that they can assert more of their power that they already have in the charter. And they already have those powers to bring the people to the table and yeah. say, let's fix this. It's it's really like in some ways, if you watch enough city council, it's not on TV like it used to be. And I think that's, it's a reason for that, but yeah, it's, it's kind of like when a substitute teacher comes to your class in high school. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like you get you, away with, with you. You know, it's like, do I gotta really listen? Do I right. sort of not gotta listen? You know, it is what it is, man. Give me this crossword puzzle, man. Right, right. You know right. what I mean? Like it's it's that when someone from the executive depart an executive department is called to the council table, do they really need to listen? Eh. I if if the city council were to say, we're gonna pass an ordinance to force the hand of the executive branch on these various issues, which is a law that will be require certain actions be taken. Yeah. Then, oh, guess what? They're going to listen. And yeah. that's part of it. But that's not really a function of, I mean, that's not obviously, that's obviously not something we could do within the charter, but certainly I implore our city council persons to take more of their authority that they do have and, and make some things happen. And even doing that, and see, this is why the more of those powers are already needed to be shared, because it is a nine nine member body where you're going to need to have the five votes, you know, and we clearly see um, and I'll, I'm going to just explicitly say it, I'm going politically. Uh, one of the one of the biggest supporters of Gabe Leland was Mayor Duggan and the Mayor Duggan's administration. If you look at every initiative that Mayor Duggan moved forward. Gabe Leland was line and step hmm. right there with it. <clears throat> you know, so so when we look at his actions and the way he makes decisions, Gabe Leland, and he should be incarcerated. That's another one of those things I don't like. He should be incarcerated for what yeah, he did. He, did probation, yeah. he should be incarcerated for what he did. <clears throat> um, you know, we... It is people of the ilk of the character in that office that have been wooed uh, by the executive administration, you know, because everything may not even necessarily be Mayor Duggan, but some members of it that are not in the best interest of the citizens of the city of Detroit. 
And if it already were were a mandate where the powers were shared, it at least gives us other points of contact to get in to be heard, to be represented. You know, and and and, and be and be present in the process politically. And that's whether we choose or not choose. Yeah. But at the same time, I still want the action to be present where we can be there. And that's what proposal P, yeah. which really even this, I also want to unpack how this proposal P even got on the ballot, which I also think is another classic example of how the state of Michigan has, has stepped into Detroit politics. Yeah. Because yeah. this shouldn't even be on the ballot because the charter should just move forward. And you know what you just said, one of the most exciting things for me about Proposal P is what you just went over. Taking citizens, mm-hmm. putting them into government, yeah. getting them involved in the process of government operations in a more formalized way. Now, politicians ain't used to that. They used to come into our churches every four years, come to our union meetings, No, you know, Hey, well, I want you to vote. Come to our block clubs, whatever. And then listening into us, acting like they're hearing us, whatever. Some of them do. I'm sure some of them don't. And then they go off and do the, what they got to do. That's what they're used to hearing. They're used to our participation being on the voting booth. But what we do with Proposal P is we create volunteer commissions. They're volunteer because, you know, it's, oh, it's going to cost so much money. That's all bunk, been debunked by a PhD economist. But, you know, in fact... <laughs> One of the council members asked uh, the city when they claim it with that report, how is it that you costing so much money for volunteer commissions? You ain't paying them nothing, <laughs> you know. So these people sit on commissions for disability rights, immigration rights, small business council, reparations. We have a reparations task force in this charter that we have where the citizens will study the issue of reparations mm-hmm. and come up with tangible solutions. The environment, water, transportation. I mean... It's important to have John Q. Public, Jane Q. Public of our city mm-hmm. being nominated and appointed by city council to these commissions. The the public broadband, man, yeah. wow. How many children have had to learn at home during a pandemic with no internet? Yeah. When your smartphone minutes ran out, that's when your internet ran out. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And and why not have the people suffering from these problems sit on a, a commission, be able to hold meetings and decide Let's look at best practices. Let's look at what's being done across the country. Let's look at grant funding that may be available. Let's look at these other avenues that we can tap into to bring public broadband to the city so that every Detroiter has Wi-Fi. Why can't we have citizens, you know, oh, well, you know, that's what the, you know, some of the no people say, oh, well, that's not for them. That's for the legislative branch. Well, I'm sorry. No knock on them, but they ain't got to it yet to where we need it to be. And then also it, it, it gives, like we say, by having more people involved that are uh, the same way you served as a subject matter expert. I mean, you can only you can only know so much. Uh, I mean, I I think that the brilliance of some uh, political minds uh, in some of the moves, I mean, even if this is something I'm, you know, uh, the moves of our current mayor, uh, Mayor Duggan, uh, with uh, which uh, it was contentious to some, but the DMC deals that he was making, it was like, okay, he he understands structure. He understands how to move certain things. His partnership with Conrad Mallet and appointees, like it, it was, it was understandable. 
But at the same time, some of that functionality, you know, doctors and nurses and people that work in that were needed to be at the table, you know, and that's in a corporate structure. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. definitely in a city structure, it's needed as well, meaning that the people that walk in that life. I mean, if if it's to be anybody that um, were to come to me and, and ask about podcasting and video i I can tell you it's like all right these are some things that you know because this is what i do i have some experience in it i I can tell you about what you're going to deal with with certain spaces especially out of a home in the city of detroit and you know some of the dead spots you may run into some grounding issues what you're gonna have to do with internet and it is it's a lot of stuff that i've seen that i would be able to hit somebody to Mm -hmm. but if i were to just share that information even with the most knowledgeable person such as yourself an attorney you're, you're going to you're going to take it. You're going to know how to present it. You're going to have bullet points, but it's not going to be like delivered the same, the same way yeah, as right. somebody saying, no, nah, we this is what we need. Right. And right. This is how it needs to happen. And why not give and see the beauty of the system that we've pre- presented here in Proposal P is giving citizens, not just that it's them that's dealing with it. They're the ones facing the problems. So let them come up with some recommended solutions. But there's also a dedicated group of people that are so, that focusing exclusively on Wi-Fi, exclusively on disability rights, immigration, you know, exclusively on mm-hmm. these issues that are plaguing us. So, yeah, city council, you know, again, they've got so much on their plate. Yeah. You know, they're dealing with LCA, Mac Engine. They're dealing with all these contracts that they get hundreds of them. And that's a, that's know? another thing about uh, corporate council needing to be selected by city council, too, because unlike in yesteryear, there are a lot. There's a lot of this. Um, it's a lot of this uh, government corporate partnership relationship things going on where it's like, hey, we're Chase Bank. We're going to give Detroit a hundred million dollars but we so but we we support the mayor and we need the mayor and the mayor's people to be in the mix of how we spend this hundred million dollars and then it's like uh that's good but that's sort of like you know like why is it just the mayor or right. why not more people so like right. this right. And, and i mean the same thing is happening in, in, on a state level and a national level too the the relationship between corporations and government um, I'm sure. Uh, I mean, even even somewhat the fight within the vaccine. It's like, okay, as we as we patent what's going to happen with this vaccine, you know, we don't want some more money because right. it's a corporation. You know, Moderna and Pfizer are corporations, and the government's saying, no, nah, you can't patent it because we need it. And it's like, no, no, no. That's where attorneys, you know, really going to get their attorney. Oh, on. Yeah, but yeah, this yeah, is right, where right, corporate right. and public. You need to have more people in the room speaking, especially when it's the we want to just give some money to the city or we want to give this asset to the city or we want to share in this for the city. It it, it doesn't just need to be the executive body. And this is whether we like who the current executive is or don't like who the current executive is just because it if it's a public resource, that public resource is for everyone. Right. Not just one part. In portion, right, and that that's that's a key thing, and I mean, you know, it it's it took the public, the people who voted on proposal, who voted on getting the charter reopened, uh-huh. and that's really why the proposal P is the P is the people, it's power to the people, mm-hmm. it's people deciding I want to reopen this charter, people deciding I want these people yes. to be on this commission. It was a long fight. People, right, and you know, and honestly, yeah, they showed the, the the meetings where we had a little bit of 
you know, the, the, the commercials out where we have some disagreement amongst ourselves. That's that's oh, that's, that's public up. discourse. That's what hey. I'm sure if we I'm sure if if uh look if at the executive the, bodies uh meetings were open, we probably see some yeah. discourse there. I too. mean think about look, look at how the Voting Rights Act was written. You know, I mean you can imagine the the the, the fights, the struggles. I mean the the one thing about government I did learn and we all learn is the constitution. And we definitely yeah. learned that James Madison and them were ready to do it out. Pistols. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, exactly right. So that's part of the whole process. Yeah. And you know, thank god we got past that because you know we were we were in a space of you know arguing about some of the things but you know what iron sharpened the iron the bible says and what we did is once we started looking at the specifics of where we are what we wanted to line up talk to 300 plus organizations kari mm-hmm. 300 organizations 500 plus 520 or something like specific individual proposals from the people the people wrote this document. Yeah. I mean, this is something, not, and it wasn't just like, oh, I just want to, I just, I like this idea, I like that idea. No, we had scientific study, study after study after study. We looked at the financial aspects of it. We looked at the consequences of it. We looked at, you know, all of these different data. We looked at both sides on so many issues. I mean, and we studied it hard because we had those experts come in to, to talk to us about it. And they were able to provide their insight. Some of the stuff we started off with wasn't what we ended up with because mm-hmm. we got educated through the process. I mean, this was something we dealt with for a year, for a year and a half, just mm-hmm. literally on this piece of it. And this is also like when we think about the baton passing, because yeah. this is an iteration of years because the charter for first off for charters to be revised. And I mean, this is where you're more experienced as an attorney, uh, just so people know. And I'm, I'm looking at. You know, reading the charter and talking to Crystal Crittington, but everybody oh, doesn't have a That's Crystal Crittington call, and everybody may not be able to comprehend the charter. But in this to happen, it still needs to be approved because Michigan is—I mean, Michigan sanctions what happens in the city of right. Detroit or every charter for every city. Now, now there is a provision in the Michigan Constitution, mm-hmm. Article Seven, Section Twenty-Two. Those legal beagles, feel free to look it up. That provision says quite clearly that the citizens of a city mm-hmm. have the right to frame, revise, adopt their charter. Yep. Period. Mm-hmm. It doesn't say they have the right to do that if the governor says they can do it. Yep. It says they have the right to do it full stop. Now, there is a statute which talks about giving, you know, uh, following through that with that process mm-hmm. where the statute, the charter is given to the governor. So the governor reviews it, and then the governor she can you know file submit but objections. But it must be or it must be it. with just cause, for reason well, it, superseding what the citizens have decided. Right. I mean, it, it's it's something that you know whatever uh, standard she she implores to look at it. But the point is, even she, the governor herself, mm-hmm. said, "Let the citizens vote." She even said that, you know, I have these and, and, and objections from the governor in a charter process is not uncommon mm-hmm. in the 2012 charter, the, the Kwame charter, we like to call it. Yep. In that charter, same thing happened. Same thing happened. They sent the charter to the governor, Governor Snyder at the time or Governor yes, yeah, Snyder, I think, by mm-hmm. that time said, I have certain concerns, sent the concerns back. And it got squared. The difference here was, for whatever reason, instead of simply an email, hey, we want to look at these seven provisions, blah, 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 blah. 
ours wound up in a heavily publicized letter that someone got and ran and took to the press, and that became the big, huge news story. The governor says the charter's illegal. That's not any bill that mm -hmm. you look at that's ever been signed into law will have several iterations of the same bill where the changes have been made previously. That's the nature of legislation. That's the nature of it because you're not going to, you're always going to have clarifications. The stuff that the governor mentioned was not these major legal problems. There were clarifications. Most of it was stuff saying, okay, to the language, but just make sure that when you implement it, this is, you do this, you do that, you do the other. Meaning there's nothing to do with the language itself. That's to do with the city following it. Mm -hmm. So it's you know people got to understand that and and yes, what what really disturbed me is that the city election commission, which we also changed in the charter, put it on the ballot. Kudos mm -hmm. to them. Who was the lone vote against it? The corporation council. The person who's supposed to be the lawyer for the people is deciding that the people shouldn't have a right to vote on their own charter, despite what the constitution of the state of Michigan says. Like let that sink in. Mm -hmm. The people's lawyer was telling the people, I don't want you to have the right to decide. Mm. I mean, just that's that's the kind of problem that we run into when you don't make a fundamental change. When you don't take away power, you share power in that one respect. So then it's on the ballot. And what do you have? You have the same civil rights leaders, one of them being our brother, Horace Sheffield. And some of the others who are on the pension system and just leaders in the community, four of them in particular, the same people who will criticize Republicans in Florida and Georgia for suppressing the vote, the same people who will criticize Republicans in Lansing for the 39 bills that they put to suppress the vote to, 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 vote, to keep black and brown people from the polls, those same people go to court and say, I don't want Detroiters to vote. And literally the argument that they're making in that court document, the literal argument that they're making is Detroiters should not have the right to vote because the governor didn't give us the right to. Mm. Now think about how often, think about how long Detroiters have fought to vest control from Lansing for our own destiny. Think about how long, and they really crystallized with the emergency manager, but it's even before emergency manager. Yeah. I can remember my growing up being a kid, I hear people talking with my father, talking about, don't let them take the water, don't let them take Belle Isle, don't mm -hmm. let them take, that's our treasure here. Don't Lansing them, gonna come and get don't that. Let, don't let them take everything they did take. Right, exactly. <laughs> you know, don't let, don't let Lansing, Lansing coming to take over. It's always been that dynamic where Lansing is trying to take over Detroit. Detroit trying to not take, not be taken over by Lansing. And then it really happened when yeah. you had a Governor Snyder who said, oh, I'm gonna take over Detroit. Yeah. With an emergency manager. And then on top of that, a bankruptcy. Yeah. So. Illegal bankruptcy. And illegal bankruptcy. And then with Article 9, Section 24 of the Constitution says you cannot impair the pension. They did it anyway. Yeah. So then we yeah, have no, all that's this That's what dynamic. I thought the bankruptcy was over personally. Well, exactly. You know, just tap into that money. Right, right, exactly. But then you have the same people who fought against Lansing taking over Detroit for so many years now saying that Lansing has to give us the right to vote. Yeah, that don't make no sense. I'm I, sorry. I, I've definitely seen certain issues that uh, that uh, Re Reverend Sheffield has definitely stood uh, on the opposite side of many issues that I've stood for that I think will help citizens of Detroit. 
many a time, you know. So uh, he he supported the school takeover by the state. You know, yeah. uh, he was one of the biggest supporters of the school takeover for the state, and that was uh, Engler and them. You know, David Adamani and and uh, you know Kenneth Burnley and and that whole machine. So uh, I, I definitely think that the layers and unpacking this and the confusion for most people. Cause that's what it is. It's, I mean, if it's, you, you think confuse about, it most is. people, and it, it, it just gets people to say, "Ah, that's an illegal uh, charter, or we're not going." Uh, and so, if you think about it, what's so disturbing is that the powers that be, and I and I figured it out, the powers that be don't want this charter to pass so badly mm-hmm. that they're not just going to argue it on the merits because they know they'll lose. Mm-hmm. They know that people want no knock warrants banned. They yeah. know that people want if a police uh, uh, stop has. A video camera recording the stop they want that automatically turned over to the police commission instead of having to beg for it like we've have to you know they know that they want pandemic preparedness in every city department right they know that they want a health in all policy so that we have a commission which studies making sure that detroiters have better health care access to health care which obamacare is great but it still ain't all the way Right. They know that we want protections against future bankruptcies. They know that we want a different election commission because the election commission that we put in there. I mean, just think about this. There's 30 seconds on that one. So any union that you go to, you'll have people running for president, vice president, secretary, treasurer, whatever. Then you have a separate election committee. They separate that out. UAW, whoever, whatever union. The election committee governs and runs the election process. They make sure they know who to vote, who's on the eligibility list, make sure that the money is being spent. It's not being spent out of the union coffers. They make sure that the, the mail goes out at the right time. They make sure that people get to vote. They make sure all the whole election process, they govern it, but they're not connected to the people running for office. Why? Because it'd be a conflict. It'd be a conflict to have the people running for office over right. and, and working with the people running the election system. What do we have in the city? We got... The city council president, city clerk, and the person appointed by the mayor's corporation council as our election commission. Yeah. The people running for the office while running the yeah. election. That, that's why you 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 generally see a big Janice Winfrey billboard with her face. With her face and name the all time, on it. Around the time when she's running for office. I mean, come I'm on. Saying? So what we say is, no, that's got to be disconnected. So we say we let three people on the election commission, people run citywide. For the election commission, you can't be mm-hmm. connected with the city running for office. You can't be connected with the city. You just, I mean, as far as this, the government structure, you like can't, people. You can't be seeking office. Exactly. So, I mean, it, it, it I mean, these these acts that you speak about are, are, are big. I, I think the police chief thing was big. I think, um, I think definitely what, what's happening in reference to, uh, What's happening? Reparations was big. And then just really uh, corporate council was big. Like it's a lot of things that, between this that also, you know, coincide with uh, the work Tawana and many others were doing with the Detroiters Bill of Rights that fits yes. right into this as well. We were, they, that uh, whole committee, that that whole bill of Detroiters Bill of Rights committee, or I think it's council. Mm-hmm. They had a big role in this. It hats off to uh, my sister, uh, council to, member mm-hmm. Raquel Castaneda Lopez. Mm-hmm. Uh, and her team worked together. I mean, Tawada Petty was right there. I mean, the yeah. Monica Howard with the water rights. I mean, just we the people. Uh, uh, you know, um, Detroit will believe. Uh, breathe, uh, Detroit will believe. Yeah, we got to believe too. Detroit will breathe. Black Lives Matter. I mean, just all this. So many different groups yeah. were right there 
at the forefront helping to propose different things, showing us their study. They've been studying these things for years, for decades. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, and, and, I mean, and educating fight, us. Yeah, so like, I mean, w- when we think about what public safety looks like as yeah. opposed to policing, yeah. uh, you know, it, that public safety piece is big. I mean, that work that when we think plan. about the, yeah, yeah that, I mean, you know, th- this facial recognition that continues to get pushed in the city of Detroit and the money spent on that. And you I put mean, controls just even, on that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Even, even that. Like he says, you can't use it unless you have a good uh, ordinance with specific controls on that. But that peace plan is something I'm really excited about because if you think about the dynamic after we saw George Floyd get murdered, which we did while we were writing this document, literally as we had the document on our computers, we watched that video. Mm. And that impacted us. That impact. So we began in the country, the world began yeah. to think, how can policing be different? Now, yep. we as black folks been thinking about that for some decades, yep. you know, since stress and before. But finally, the world starts putting George Floyd murals up and saying maybe policing can be different. And yep. so we embody some of that. Now, we right, right in the Constitution, we can't like write the specific way that the police and this community are going to work together. But we mandate that the city police chief and the city police commission work together what's called the peace plan, police engagement plan, where you do community policing. And that they, we said we lay out certain benchmarks as to what they have to do and consider. But we we mandate that the police training is given, deal with cultural sensitivity. I know you can't train your way out of a problem. I get that. But we also add in that the training has to include police officers viewing victims of police brutality mm-hmm. so that they can see that for the bad ones and for the good ones so that they can see the consequence of going overboard, yeah. right? And so just so many different things we put in on policing, uh, a specific bill of rights where when you get pulled over, you have the right to ask for your supervisor of your police officer. You have the right to ask for the badge number. You have the right to ask why you're being pulled over. I mean, a certain whole list of things. I, I encourage people to go through that and look at that because that was a really, really big push. I hats off to a commissioner, Denzel McCampbell, who really led that effort. Uh, as well as Commissioner Underwood and uh, Commissioner Jones, they led mm-hmm. that effort in really working in the, that committee to deal with a lot of that. I mean, it's just, who could be against that, right? So as I was saying, I figured it out. All of these ideas, every if you're looking, listening to them and once people hear about them, yeah, of course they're in favor, right? Because they came from you. You're going to be in favor of what you told us to do. So what corporate interest did is it decided, wait a minute, I'm not used to being held accountable. So it's just like I was telling you before, Marathon Oil, $180 million dollars, yeah, they signed a, t- a contract. Yeah, we'll give Detroit some jobs. Less than 10 people work uh, at Marathon Oil at that uh, ex- uh, expansion facility uh, from Detroit now. But less, um, I mean, and, it, and it's when we look at some of those other projects that go on to quote unquote create jobs, because that's for yeah, years has been, a, has been a uh, creating jobs for years has been the um, the banner of of. Detroiters giving up our assets and the job creation, as we see, is not coming to life. I mean, I'm keeping a strong eye on what happened with the whole Chrysler project over there on Jefferson because it looks to be pretty slow. And I mean, we usually hear the same discussion points like, you know, jobs can't be created because people smoke too much weed and they can't Uh, pass the drugs. I'm just telling you, this is this is the argument. Usually they're not ready to get jobs. These people don't want to work. That's usually the argument. And um and I think that that's even racially biased because, you know, when you look at some of the drugs that are being used by some of, I guess, our construction workers like the pills and this whole opioid crisis was going on right before our eyes. But that 
that's not the drugs that are being tested for. You know what I'm saying? So I, I think I think when we when we unpack the way that we as a black city have so many assets and can hold on to those assets and the importance of holding on to those assets, um, it, it, it falls under some type of structure. Yeah. The right charter yeah. can keep these assets where it's more oversight in to, to how things can be shared. Like right now, I don't know, uh, this is also in that same mix of Proposal P about the arts and culture. Uh, you know, I don't know if most people know, but during that flooding, uh, the uh, Charles Wright Museum, our African American museum, yeah. second largest in 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 the world, uh, was flooded bad in the basement. As people know, a lot of the artifacts I don't know if people know are kept in that basement. Mm. But as we've seen, the DIA, because I believe the DIA has more of a regional interest, <laughs> meaning like less black folks, <laughs> is kept in more of a pristine order. And and the Charles Wright is it was already facing some financial burdens yeah some some uh some tough things i mean i, I want to say at that gala that we went to for attorney perkins it was on behalf of the right and he was looking to support the right uh uh or he was supporting the right there not looking yeah yeah uh, I mean, we were there supporting them too so uh but now they're faced with another burden you know if 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 we have a resource to say what gets what and these assets kept by the dia the black folks in detroit are definitely gonna say no nah, if we if the dia gets a dollar Charles Wright may get two, but definitely right. at least a dollar. You right, know what I'm saying? Right, because right. we care about our history and we care about preserving that, which has not been as prevalent. And th these are these are the things that we need to think about in charter, because then it makes it easier for anything to be enacted. Like that structure of keeping these assets in a black city that have in, in a lot of ways been galvanized and just torn apart and wrecked and, and, and just shared like uh it's almost like uh, uh uh it's become a you know what part of detroit do you want you know uh it, it, as things have been unpacked i mean it's it's you know there's so so much to that because you know we we when we wrote this we tried to consider we did consider what the average everyday detroiter was going through mm -hmm. and so you know that that Detroiter who was getting uh, exploited on the job, and I'm I'm big on that. I mean, I just did a paper That's for Wayne State labor rights. You know, I mean, people working literally 50, 60 hours a week not getting overtime. That's against the law, but we're paying tax dollars to companies, six hundred plus million a year, tax dollars to companies. Many of them exploiting these workers like that. Those are those are money that coming out of our pocket to go to companies to get away with breaking the law putting the workers at home exploited. And so what we decided to do was we put the control mechanism in place. We gave the Auditor General mm -hmm. enforcement authority so that if there's a company that's getting a contract from the city, if there's a company that's getting a tax break from the city, whether you got a contract or a tax break, you in the same bucket, you got to follow the law and you got to keep the commitments that you said that you said you were going to in your contract, whether it's a tax break contract or your service contract. And if you don't, Someone can file a claim against you to enforce your contract and to make sure that you stop following, you stop breaking the law. The Auditor General, now this is the important keys piece. The Auditor General is an appointee of the city uh, council, but he or she has a mandatory 10-year term commitment. So it's mm -hmm. not like he could be removed or she could be removed for, yeah. for at will. 
And the reason that's important is because that person has the ability to really make the tough calls. They can make some – you've seen some of his reports on the dumping or on the towing, some of the things. He's been he's been going after the current administration pretty hard. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's not why we selected him. But, mm-hmm. we, you know, the fact is that that person has the ability to stay in office and only can be removed for, for just cause. So he or she can make and can have a hearing, call those companies to a hearing, make them produce evidence, make them – show up to testify and say, what are you doing that you're not following the law, that you're not com- keeping your commitments to hire Detroiters, to, to stop exploiting these workers? And if they don't, he can assess fines, penalties, roll back the abatement, doing other sorts of things yeah. to make sure that they do. So that's why you see vote no commercials all over, because corporations are paying to make sure that they don't have to be accountable. It's just that simple. And, um, and and with that, um, just in short, is man, this was I, I got to get you back to just talk. Yeah, let's do two it. more to fat, but talk some politics as people let's saw. It, definitely, man. you know, people rarely see me get this enthralled over a topic, but it, this one really angers me. Um, so, so with this, um, it's definitely a grassroots movement to to yes. vote yes on this. Yes, we need um, help. We, we need and, help, from and that's folk. why you're here. And uh, I'm gonna definitely splice up a lot of this but just give a piece give a plea give a uh give a give a you know give that pitch for that person that yes. doesn't know because a lot of people are really confused as that to me was another yeah. initiative so the one in this media the one big piece i want to hit on is the only thing that the no people have that they've been saying thus far is the cost this lie about the cost and it's a flat lie they said it's going to cost $3.4 billion. They looked at the charter provisions and it said $3.4 billion. We as Detroiters, we said, wow, we don't believe that, but come to our charter meeting. Let's discuss it. Let's look at your report and see what you have to su- substantiate it. They refused to come. They didn't come to February meeting, March, April, May, June. They still ain't been. They still ain't coming. They ain't coming, I guarantee you. Mm. So I haven't reviewed city financial budgets and and fiscal reports for the last 20 some years CAFRs, things like that a comprehensive annual financial report i say well you have to have some budgetary assumptions behind the numbers that you've developed to support this 3.4 billion dollars provide those at the least refuse to provide it so we said well okay we're going to have to get an independent expert so we hired an independent expert, MSU professor, Dale Bellman, PhD economist, brilliant person. He's been here to reviewing uh, city financial ana- analyses and, and documents, fiscal reports in the past for the city of Detroit. Uh, and he looked at it and said, there's nothing to this. It's not. It's nowhere near $3.4 billion. It's unsubstantiated. It's grossly exaggerated. It's unsupported by the data. So we have on our in our Facebook page, I encourage people to look at it, vote yes on Proposal P. Go to Facebook. You can do our um, our, our website is www.yesonpeoplescharter.com. Go to that. Check it out. We have the city's report, the CFO report saying $3.4 billion, And we have a line-by-line analysis breaking down each and every cost item in that report to show, to debunk it, to show how it really doesn't add up. Because they really, basically what they did is they looked at the charter language and they read it much differently than what we provide for. They read it to say we're giving away free bus tickets. Where instead we say city council write an ordinance which calls for the reduction of fare for those who need it. We don't say how much you reduce it by. You don't say where you get the money from, whether it's grant funding or increasing the rates for other people, whatever. Write to do your job. We say 
city council write a water affordability ordinance so people don't have to get their water shut off who, who and affordability funds so that they can have money to pay they say oh everybody's gonna get free water we say uh, a public broadband commission will study the issue of getting wi-fi for detroiters we don't say where that money's coming from they're gonna tap into grant funding i hope so that the money should detroit shouldn't have you even have to pay for it the cfo said oh everybody's gonna get free wi-fi so it's all of these misnomers that they came out of this report, then the, then the, then the numbers changed from three point four billion down to two billion. So the numbers keep changing. You can't really trust the numbers. Just a couple of quick things on the numbers. If you believe their city's report, so that's what you know. That's what they come out and say. Oh, it's going to hurt the pensions. It's going to hurt uh, increase taxes. It's going to reduce services. Oh, that's a lie. None of that's going to happen. But if you believe those numbers, you have to believe literally that not only will people get a free bus ticket when they get on the bus every time, there will be no bus revenue collected you also have to believe that people will get paid to ride the bus they claim they charge us more than what they actually collect in bus revenue for our charter plan which means that it's not just that you lose all the revenue but also there's got to be some other <laughs> expenditures meaning you got to pay people to ride the bus mm -hmm. if you believe their numbers you have to believe that there will be dozens dozens of secretaries hired who each will make $200,000 a year annually to, to, to send out meeting notices for volunteer commissions, dozens of them. No secretary makes that kind of money. Mm -hmm. If you believe that, you have to believe that they're going to be 42,000. This one really got me. 42,000 students, teenagers, hired by the city of Detroit each summer. Mm -hmm. The city only has 10,000 people in total. The city has a program that's privately run where private industry hires 8,000 teens. We don't even get any to 10,000 teens in that. And that's hundreds of companies. The city can't afford <laughs> and doesn't have the space to hire 42,000 students. I asked the CFR, I said, where'd that number come from? He said, oh, I think that's the census. So what they literally did is they took a, a, a charter provision which only says that there should be a, a youth program for the summer where each, youth, where each department hires youth so if they hire one, there's 16 departments. Each department hire one. That's 16 kids. 1500 a person for the summer, $24,000. Okay, we'll eat that. Instead, they say 42,000 students hired. Where'd the 42,000 come from? Every single solitary teen in the city of Detroit between the ages of 14 and 18 gets a job with the city. Every single teen. That's our assumption. That's a budgetary assumption. And so because of that, if every single team gets a job, $1,500 per team, $63 million they claim that program is going to cost. Mm. That's the logic, the, the falsehood in their logic that they have when they presented those numbers. I even asked the CFO, I said, wait a minute, is this how you normally put together your annual budget? Because I've been looking at these for 20-some years. He said, no, no, this was not done in a normal budgetary methodology. So what you're admitting to me, sir, is that you're telling people this is what it's going to cost, but you're admitting that your numbers were not prepared in the same way that you you uh, add up costs usually. Yeah, 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 yeah. So why don't you publish that? Why don't you tell people that instead of lying to these pensioners, telling them that it's somehow going to hurt their pension? When, by the way, their pension comes out of a separate account altogether, and by the way, their pension is protected, Article 9 of the state constitution, it cannot be impaired. So we cannot, if we wanted to, the state law prohibits us from taking away their pensions. And me, as a lawyer for the pity, for the pensioners and the city workers through the bankruptcy, many of them, I would not 
sign my name to anything that would take away the rights of pensioners. I simply wouldn't do it. We enhance the rights of pensioners. So people ought to look at the vote yes on proposal P, look at the Facebook page, yesonpeoplescharter.com, look at the website, educate yourself. All these commercials, all these are, are just flat lies. And then please reach out to us, yesonpeoplescharter at gmail.com, yesonpeoplescharter.com at gmail.com we need volunteers we need phone bankers we need people who are going to walk the streets we need people work to work the polls on election day we need money we need to raise some money we got an act blue account hit me up we'd love to you know have your donation this is a critical critical time folks this is the time when the people have to take a stand but i must say as i conclude i've not seen political uh experts and pundits will say they've not seen anything like this in decades i mean it's more money being spent on the campaign for no on p yeah than i've seen in a long time i actually see more time. no on p commercials than i saw biden commercials around here it's yeah. every time I, I stream every time i stream on hulu you know sometimes i watch on demand on xfinity i assume i consume a lot of media all over youtube it's all over even like with spotify ads uh you know when i go you know, I have premium stuff, but then sometimes I like to go non-premium just to see what ads are running. Every time I turn my head, every time it's a no on P commercial. But you know what that does? Uh, uh, these discussions that which are more confusing, which my dad always says, where like you get the uh, the person that knows less to argue a person that just knows more of the sophistry, like the argument, right, of, right, right, of right, like knowing how to like talk around the issue. You know what I'm saying? And it's I, I have I've I've never seen a campaign. Like but this. what this is doing, I've never seen a campaign against a charter provision like this. But I've also never seen, and, and political pundits will say also, and they've told me they've not seen a groundswell of support that has built around this. I mean, literally, Kari, you show up to these rallies, that these these press conferences, and you'll see fifteen different flyers. That this black club and that organization and this church they put together, lawn signs. We showed up at a, a, a one of our events one Saturday, to 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 canvas the neighborhood. People rolled up with seventy five lawn signs. And where'd you come? We just went to the you know the uh, local store and printed them up. Mm. You know, uh, t shirts. Oh, where'd you get that t? That's t. Oh yeah, we just we just designed it. My sister got some in the bay. I mean, it's just it's fina- it's fascinating to see how people are galvanizing in the different ways. I mean, so you're going to see different flyers. You're going to see different long signs. But the message is all the same. Vote yes on Proposal P. Yes, definitely. Vote yes on P. Um, And and this is bigger than, like I say, it's bigger than who's in office now, but it's just about sharing the power so we have more say as citizens. And and these are are great initiatives that will only empower a city. And, and, uh, you know, arguments can be made where it's like, okay, what if the wrong people end up on these commissions and blah, 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 blah. You can give those arguments. But with those arguments, we still would rather have a person in that place. Right. Sort of like some of the arguments against like, well, I don't like the school board or I don't like the city council. It's like we still need you, that. And that, you'll have that the ability ass, to go. The, those people need to be there. That and you'll body be, needs right. to exist. You can go to city council. And that's the important thing. We, When these commissions make these recommendations on whatever the issues, small business council, they know best how to, they can go to say, hey, city government, this is what we as a small business need to survive. Mm-hmm. Let's put these things in place. 
Now, the city government may decide not to do it. We don't take over the strongman form of government, so they still, the elected leaders still have the right to say yes or no. Yeah. But if you are going to take a commission which has been studying specifically for months and years a specific issue, they present their findings to you, and you may have studied it for a few minutes the night before, and you vote no on that, that that's the power of the people showing up right there. Well, you can go to that council meeting and say, hey, why haven't you discussed and decided on these specific recommendations? Yeah. You know, yeah. so that is power in that. And that's why we say ask not what your city can do for you, but what you can do for your city. Get on a commission, get on a volunteer board and serve and help make this city better. It's it's uh powerful, powerful. So uh with that piece you definitely you, gave brother. some gems. Um, uh, you know, I've already voted yes. I'm gonna drop off my uh my my absentee ballot uh, yeah. for, for everybody that knows. I always go just so that most people know. I always go over on West Grand Boulevard at the election office and I pick up an early ballot and I vote. That's what I do as Kari Frazier. You can do it, too. The minute yeah, that definitely. the absentee ballots go out, you can go down there and you can get a ballot. E- yeah. even, even for the presidential election. Yeah. It's like oh, yeah. people vote. No, people vote. It's like you can go walk in, get an absentee ballot. You can and do vote. it right there and then give it back to them. Right, you know? I, I go over Northwest all the time. I, mean, I take my son; he's thirteen. Mm-hmm. I, I actually let him. Fi- I probably shouldn't say this. I let him fill out the circles, mm-hmm. you know, because uh, yeah, I encourage teach you. Yeah. You know, yeah, teach them. But yeah, get mm-hmm. get their vote early. Be, it, be, you should not wait till election day to vote. You and, know, and, and just people go ahead and knock know, it out. And most people know me. You know, I when it comes to some of the federal issues, it's like. Eh. I don't know about federal politics, but local politics, I'm all in on. Oh, yeah. You and, are uh, very abreast to it. Uh, and we need to pay more attention. And I've learned more. And that's why I'm going to build, keep building with Riverwise. This is uh, something that I'm going to let people know, even though I don't know if Riverwise is going to stamp this one because it's real biased. Because I definitely am hard yes on P. And I, I'm not even going. I mean, I guess I would entertain the person saying no on P just just for uh you know, laughs and giggles of, of what we, what was the even motivation of you even feeling that. Right. But uh, but at this point, I'm all yes on P. My uh, we all need to be yes on P. Uh, even those of us that know people in Detroit that don't live in Detroit, you know those people. Make sure that they get yes on P. You, go this to the is Facebook something that's page. big. Yeah, yeah, go to like and share them. Every person listening should send the Facebook page to as many voters in Detroit as you can. It has all that data on there, all the information. It's got some real slick videos on it. It's got some not so slick videos that I cut with my phone. You yeah, know, yeah. I mean, just go on there, check it out. We got a lot of information. So we got commercials coming out. Uh, I think Rashida Tlaib's gonna uh, hit with a commercial coming out soon. Uh, Raquel uh, Castaneda Lopez, uh, waiting on some others. It's, we're doing this thing. You know, yeah. we're doing it. So thank you, my brother. Appreciate you, man. Thank you. Peace, peace. All right. Detroit is Different is where you get information, artistry, history, music, and even comedy. Detroit is Different, a home for the culture of Detroit. Visit online at DetroitIsDifferent.com today.